0: All right, we're going to begin, uh, like I said, in Luke chapter 10, in verse uh, 25. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and he saw him and passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and saw him and had compassion. He went up to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set, out on his, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Yes, now go and do the same. I mentioned before this is an extremely well-known passage. Um, we definitely know it inside the church. We've heard this when we were in Sunday school as kids. We've heard it in churches preached. Um, but it's also well-known outside the church. This passage has made a cultural impact for, for generations. We have things called Good Samaritan Laws. If somebody is in distress and, and somebody comes and helps them, they're not going to be held liable for anything that might go wrong because of the good samaritan laws. If somebody does something heroic, we call them a good samaritan. And that all comes from this passage. But I wonder while this passage is well known, while we've all heard it, do we really let this passage change us? Do we really understand and follow the principles that Christ laid out for this lawyer of what it truly means to be a neighbor? And I think as we look in the passage today and and read and what, what Christ actually said, the answer is probably not, because the demands are high. And I remember growing up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Anybody watch Mr. Rogers at all? Yeah? Yeah? You know, everyone in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood got along. In the neighborhood of make-believe, they all got along. And I can just hear Fred Rogers singing, Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? It was just a happy place, right? But we don't live in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, do we? Amen. Not everybody gets along here in this world. That's right. there's, there's fighting, there's people that don't like each other. But by the end of our time together, we're going to know exactly what Jesus demands we do with those people. And the first thing we want to look at in our story is who was addressing Jesus. And Brother Paul actually just spoke on this part of the passage just a couple of weeks ago. It was a lawyer, someone who, who knew what the Bible said, who knew the, the Old Testament probably by heart. And he came up, and he said, it says he put Jesus to the test. He wasn't coming because he wanted to learn something. He already knew the answers. He wasn't coming because he wanted a closer relationship with God. No, he was coming because he wanted to catch Jesus in something and put him to the test. He says, what must I do to receive eternal life? Now, this isn't the first time that the Jews had tried to put Jesus to the test. We see in Matthew 16, verse 1, it says, And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him, and they asked him to show him a sign from heaven. In Matthew 19, 3, it says, The Pharisees came up and tested him by asking, Isn't it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? In John 8, 5, and 6, it says, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him that they might bring some sort of charge against him. So time and time again, we see this this pattern. They come and they ask Jesus a question, trying to mess him up, trying to find him on some sort of technicality so they could bring a charge against him. But every time Jesus sees right through it, he knew that they were afraid of the influence that he was gaining, that that he was somehow going to take their power away from them because the Pharisees and the lawyers and the Sadducees, whatever they said was law. People bowed down to everything that they said. So the lawyer comes up, tries to trip Jesus. But he, the question he asks is valid. What must I do to receive eternal life? What must I do to get to heaven? How do I stay right with God? But like I said, Jesus knew what he was trying to do. This is another pattern that we see every time they try to trip Jesus up. Every single time he sees right through it. So Jesus turns this question around on the lawyer and says, you know what? You're a lawyer. You know what it says. What does Moses say and how do you interpret it? And so the lawyer answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him that yes, you have answered correctly. This is actually an answer any Jew would have given. See, the Jews took the law seriously. Could you imagine having to know every law in the United States and not just know what the law means, know it word for word, what the law says. This is, this is Jewish culture in the first century. And this actually comes straight from Jewish law in Deuteronomy. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This was something known as the Shema. This is a specific part of the law that the Jews would actually get up and recite every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. They wanted to say this as their anthem, as their mantra, and give respect to God. The second part comes from Leviticus 19. It says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For I am the Lord. So Jesus hears his answer. And he says, yes, you have answered correctly. This is where things get interesting. Because the lawyer, this isn't enough for him. He wants to kind of overplay his hand here. And so he asked Jesus in order to justify himself, okay, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? But he wasn't asking this because he really wanted to help people. He was asking this because he wanted to know the minimums. He wanted to know the limits. What must I do in order to meet the bare minimum standard to get to heaven? So once again, Jesus sees right through this. And rather than answering him, he decides he's going to tell him a story. And so we see the story of the Good Samaritan. So this Jewish man who's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's left half dead on the side of the road. Now he's traveling on the most dangerous road in the land. This is a 17-mile stretch, and it was well-known to have bandits who were going to jump out of caves, jump behind rocks, and, and beat you up, take everything you have. So, you know, if this were today, if you're walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, you better be packing some heat, right? You better have a gun, something to defend yourself, because you're going to fall plagued by bandits. And then we see two men come across a priest and a Levite. Now, these are the people who you would expect to help this man. A priest, a pastor. It would be like Brother Paul coming in and seeing this man half dead on the side of the road. And he just says, no, I don't think so. Now, I don't think Brother Paul would do that. Am I, am I right? He, we would expect him to help. And then a Levite comes. He's a temple worker. He He's a staff member at a church. And what does he do? Same thing. He says, I don't, I don't think so. I'm just going to keep on walking. But not only did these two men not stop to help, what does it say? It says they see him on the side of the road, and they walk to the other side of the road and pass by. So not only did they not stop to help, they went out of their way to not help this man. But then an interesting thing happened. A third man comes across, a Samaritan, and he takes pity on this man and helps him. Now, if you don't know the history This probably doesn't seem like a big deal. Obviously, it's a big deal that, you know, the man now has medical attention his health. But it's more than that. This is a Samaritan. And the Samaritans and the Jews, they absolutely hated each other. I mean hated each other. And for our time this morning, it's not important as to why they hated each other. There's over 400 years of history we would have to discuss. And I'm sure none of you want to sit here and listen to 400 years of history. And quite frankly, I don't want to tell it to you. But the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Here's just a few verses just to get an idea of, of what they thought of each other. In John chapter four and verse nine, this is Jesus and the woman at the well. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you who are a Jew asks for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. In John 8:48, the Jews answered him, they're, they're answering Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and are a demon? See, the Jews, they hated the Samaritans, used the word Samaritan as a derogatory term. And knowing that the Jews and Samaritans hated each other makes this story much more impactful. The lawyer listening to the Jesus at this point would have been dumbfounded. He he would not believe that Jesus is making the hero of this story someone who the Jews just can't stand and hate. They hated the Samaritans. They were repulsive to the Jews. In fact, the Jews called Samaritans half-breeds. They were sub-human. So at minimum, this lawyer is now all ears. Jesus has his attention. But look at everything this Samaritan did for this man. Remember, this man who would have hated him and found him repulsive. First, he bound up his wounds and disinfected them. He gave up his animal to transport this man. And remember, this is a 17-mile stretch of road. So he gives up this level of comfort of riding on an animal and decides to put this man on them and walk beside. Then he puts him up in a hotel. Now, hotels aren't cheap. They weren't back then either. And he puts him in a hotel, stays overnight with this man, and says the next day he gets up and gives the innkeeper two denarii. Now, denarii would be equivalent to to two days' pay. Now, I don't know about you, but it's going to be hard for me to find some stranger, help him, and give him up two days' pay. That's, that's a lot of money. But even then, that wasn't good enough. He tells the innkeeper, hey, whatever this guy needs, if he needs more water, food, more medical attention, if he needs to stay longer than the money I've given you, do it. Take care of him. And whatever bills he incurs, I'm going to pay them when I come back through. What a stark contrast to the priest and the Levite. The church workers don't even help the man. They go out of their way to not help him. And the Samaritan goes above and beyond the call of duty. And at this point is when Jesus actually corrects the lawyer's original question. Remember, the question was, who is my neighbor? But this is what Jesus said in verse 36. Which of these three do you think, prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, yes, now go and do the same. So Jesus didn't answer the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered the question, how can I be a neighbor to this man? The questions seem similar, but they're quite different. Instead of asking how he, who he was supposed to treat a neighbor, he wanted to know, How we be a neighbor to those who we come across. And so we see in this passage, Jesus is giving us three demands. Three demands on how to be a neighbor. First, Jesus demands our whoever. Jesus demands our whoever. Anyone who needs help. Jesus made a point to make the hero of our story someone who was hated. Someone who was repulsive. But it didn't matter to the Samaritan. He put aside his differences and showed love to the man, despite the fact that if the roles were reversed, there is no chance that this man would have stopped and helped that Samaritan. And Jesus displayed this often too, didn't he? Woman at the well in John 4. Jesus took compassion on her and her people, went up to her and didn't care that they were of a different race. Jesus and Zacchaeus in Luke 19 Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and tax collectors, uh, well, you might not like tax collectors today. They really didn't like tax collectors then. Tax collectors were corrupt. They would take more money than what the person actually owed, and the excess money they would pocket for themselves. Some of you probably think the IRS still does that. They don't. My dad's an IRS agent, and now he can never come to this church. Mary Magdalene, she's found in all four Gospels. She was a prostitute. She was mentally unstable. She was demon-possessed. But what did Jesus do? He didn't shun her. He didn't tell people to go away from her. No, he healed her, took care of her, and brought him into his inner group. These are just a few examples of how Jesus went out of his way to seek out outcasts and the people who were hated. So how much more should we go out of our way? Is there someone you don't get along with? Someone that just kind of eats at you? Someone you just can't stand? Maybe someone who hates you. Brother Paul said it a couple of weeks ago. It's easy to love somebody who loves you back. It's not easy to love somebody who hates you. But we are to go to those people and be their neighbor. So number one, Jesus demands our whoever. Number two, Jesus demands our whatever. He demands the things that he's blessed us with. After all, it's not really ours. It's not really ours. The Good Samaritan, he gave up money, oil, wine, his animal, and his time to this man. Now, in the first century, these are not things that came cheap. Some of these things still don't come cheap. He gave up a lot for this man, but it didn't matter to the Samaritan what the man needed. He was willing and ready to give whatever was necessary. Jesus also gave his time, and he gave his life. Now, this isn't saying put yourself out just because you want to help everybody imaginable, and then all of a sudden you can't take care of yourself. That's not what this is saying. But if we have the means to do so, we should be willing and ready to give whatever is necessary to help those around us. So number one, Jesus gives our, demands our whoever. Number two, Jesus demands our whatever. And the last thing Jesus demands is our Whenever. Our time. It wasn't convenient for this Samaritan to stop and help this man. Remember, he was on a journey, a 17-mile journey. That's that's a long time to be traveling. And he stops because he sees a man who needs help, a man who's about to die. He gives him his time, but then he doesn't just stabilize him and give him to you know other people to take care of. No, he takes care of him at the hotel. He pays his bills. How often do we see needs? and say we don't have the time to pitch in and help. Maybe we see uh, a car broken down on the side of the road, and we're like, oh, you know, I really need to get home. i got to start dinner. Or, or maybe we get a call at 1 in the morning saying a cow's out. Can you come help me? And you're thinking, oh, somebody else will go help. Maybe you see somebody on the, on the side of the road with a sign, and you say, man, I, I really don't have time to stop and talk to that person. Jesus' demands are whenever. But we need to remember this, and and Brother Paul said this just last week. Jesus will never ask anything of us that he would not do himself. Jesus was the ultimate neighbor. He came and gave his whoever to people who hated him, to people who wanted to kill him and did kill him. And praise God, he came back. He gave his whatever when he gave his life. And he gave his whenever by taking 33 years to spend on this earth and walk among us. Can you imagine the God of the universe, who's all holy, leaving his throne in heaven to come here to walk with people like you and me, who sin every day and hurt him every day? And he gave his whenever because, let me tell you, I doubt taking 33 years away from his throne to spend with people like us was convenient. He demands our whoever, our whatever, and our whenever because he is the ultimate love and he is the ultimate neighbor. Amen. So what about you? Who can you be a neighbor to today? Is there somebody God's putting on your mind? Somebody that you know, you know, I've really kind of avoided this person. I know they need help. But God, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's really hard for me. And He says, you know what? I've blessed you, and I'm asking this from you. I'm demanding this of you, Brother Paul.